0: i'm mike gorman and you're listening to the celtics pod podcast for celtics blog here's your host adam taylor
1: what's good everybody as usual i'm your boy adam taylor and i'm joined by a special guest today a friend of the podcast been on the first guest we ever had on this podcast been on it multiple times i'm sure he'll be on it again multiple times in the future it has been a while i think it's been an entire season since he was last on. i'm joined by mr john karadis thanks for your time john how are you doing today i'm doing great was i really the first guest yeah yeah on every podcast i've ever done you've always been the first guest
0: wow i didn't realize that I feel special uh,
1: <laughs> i think um i just made it a point of like you bring the podcast king on as the first guest <laughs> uh
0: i appreciate you lying about that thank you
1: well no i'm not lying it's the what is it the number one celtics podcast day today that's the, that used to be the line right
0: it it is yeah it is the podcast is going well
1: good good i'm glad to hear it and this season you've moved away from mass live been over at boston sports channel your thing there i see you like sometimes you'll be posting um Instagram stories from the sidelines, or you'll be posting a picture of you kind of like mm-hmm. chilling out before the game in the media section. So it's going well, man. Because if it wasn't, then you wouldn't be posting those pictures.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It's going, it's going great. It's going great. Like it, I I feel like I'm in a a decent little groove. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how long that continues. I think sometimes like I'm comfortable enough where I feel like I can I can take some chances and take some, take some risks. Once you get into a comfort zone, it's a good time to get out of your comfort zone. So um, hopefully, hopefully this upcoming season and hopefully with the podcast, I can come up with a few different ideas and different things that will uh, maybe, maybe be well received, but you know, we'll find out.
1: Last time I spoke to you, or one of the last times, I don't think it was the actual last time, but you were kind of coming to terms with, you know, COVID had kind of removed locker room access. And that hasn't come back, right? Like, that's just not a thing anymore. And it probably won't ever be a thing if you, um, judging by Adam Silver's comments a few months back.
0: Actually, uh, I, think, I think it is coming back. Oh, well, that's a good thing, then? That's a good yeah, thing? I, we, you've I done think, a season. I think, I think locker room access is coming back, which is a great thing
1: yeah I mean that's that's in, that's immense because it just gives you so much more richness to stories and being able to differentiate between everybody
0: yeah this is this is the thing about like we're in a weird place when it comes to coverage and I, I mean I could talk I could probably talk for half an hour without stopping about this, but um locker room access allows for a reporter's real skills to, to shine through. Um, a lot of people can come up with decent ideas and, you know, come up with stories and and who knows, you know, who knows what sources and, and, and you know, that, that's all fine. But if we're looking for stories about the basketball team, getting into the locker room and seeing the dynamics and, and understanding who's Who's happy, who's not happy, how people act in general. Just getting the baseline is so, so important. Like, you know, when they go do concussion tests, right? Like they give you your basic, your baseline cognitive skills. So if you get kicked in the head, like Daniel Tice, you come out of the game and they kind of give you the same set of questions and they compare it to your baseline. And that's how they know whether you have a concussion and it's the same thing when it comes to your writing and reporting after a game. If you know every day that you're in the locker room, okay, this happens. Jalen Brown comes out this time. Al Horford comes out this time. These guys, you know, this is who's normally talking to each other and so on and so on and so on. When one of those things doesn't happen, you start to say, okay, well, this guy's not out at his locker when it's normal time. Let's see what happens tomorrow. Huh. Okay. His routine is changing. Why is his routine changing? What's he doing? Is he hurt? Is he trying something new? Has he been in a slump? Is he trying something new? You start to like come up with the questions. Think reporter skill, your cognitive skills, your ability to kind of say, okay, this is different. And you use your powers of deduction. That, that's when, when you really get to some, some good stories. And then you never know who notices what. I will say that there have been times when I've seen somebody like Jay King talking to somebody at the other end of the locker room and I'm in the scrum and I'm thinking to myself, well, what the hell did he see that I missed? And, you know, he'll come up with a story or whatever. And, you know, it's it's challenging too to see how you compare to, like, what have I, what have I missed? What have I, have I been paying close enough attention? Am I on, am I on my game? So I'm excited for locker room access to come back because I think it's really, really going to make the coverage of the team a lot better because that was
1: going to be my question right like how did you adapt because as you say like there is like probably what a hundred different angles that people can take based on the conversations they have the observations they have and that was taken away so then it became more generic right everybody was feeding off the same press conferences everybody was feeding off the same information that was being put out from point a and point b and like for me, like thousands of miles away, that that helps. It kind of levels the playing field a little bit. Whereas now, with if you're the locker room stuff's coming back, how like how will you transition back? Do you do you already have pre-existing relationships that you can kind of just slot back into, or will it be kind of like rebuilding from scratch due to the turnover?
0: I think I think there's some there's some relationships that have you know. I I don't know how, I don't know how it's going to be when you get back in. Um, But I, I I know there are some guys that are clearly like receptive to me, right? There's some guys who clearly, I think to me anyway, are, are a little, maybe, I don't want to say standoffish. That's, that's not, but a little kind of a little more distant when it comes to me. And, and, You know, and I think it's the same thing with everybody. You have better relationships with some people and some people, they just don't care uh, for whatever reason. You know, I I may have written or said something that is perceived a certain way. um, But, you know, you go in and you just start to if there's something that needs rebuilding, you rebuild it. You start to just um, you start to talk to guys and, and hopefully being around gives you the opportunity to kind of get back into that swing of things and and maybe maybe some guys you know when you're not around somebody and it's just brief interactions like pick a player I'm you know and I'll I'll ask a player a, a question that that may be a little bit more direct and and you're in an interview room and that player can just leave and you know that's it Now, if we're in a locker room setting, he can, he goes back to his locker and I can go back and talk to him and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is what I was talking about. Or he can call me over and say, What did you mean by that? Um, And sometimes they say it while I'm asking the question and, you know, you, you get to clarify a bit. But there's, there's opportunity all around to start talking to somebody let them know what you're about and build build a relationship where it's you know a good professional working relationship where they you build some trust and and hopefully they understand you know like Malcolm Brogdon is new he's theoretically you know under contract for a while he's theoretically going to be around for a while you start to talk to him and you build a relationship and and if he finds out like if he learns like oh yeah John is about this and he's not trying to screw me over. He's not gonna. He's not trying to play gotcha. He's not gonna play hot take. He's not gonna do this or that. Then I can talk to him when he comes over, and we can we can have a real conversation. Like that's the type of stuff you want to do in a locker room.
1: And that kind of leads us on, right? You bring up Malcolm Brogdon; it's a good opportunity to move on um, to Malcolm Brogdon. Now I know that when he, when the Celtics first acquired him and I've said this on multiple podcasts, I probably caught a lot of heat because my biggest concern was like, Hey, can this, can this dude stay healthy? Because if you can, if you are only getting 50 games and I'm repeating myself for the listeners here, if you're only getting 50 games of Malcolm Brogdon, but say he's injured three times throughout the season. So let's say 15 of those 50 are ramp up games, then realistically you're only getting 35 games of Malcolm Brogdon. Right. Uh, But I, I, I think I was one of the only people in this camp, right? Because obviously the deal was a steal the talent level that Malcolm Brogdon brings like dramatically increases Boston's ceiling. It increases the rotation options and the substitution patterns that's available to Udoka. So I, I saw all of the the good, but then I saw, hey, this is a big contract with another injury-prone guy. When you've already got Marcus going to miss time, Al's going to miss time because he's aging. Robert Williams is going to is pretty much guaranteed to miss time so they were that was like a big concern for me i've kind of called off on that now but how do you feel about that entire like trade from the obviously the being able to get him so cheaply to his fit and any concerns that you've got
0: well i mean you do run the risk i mean he he does have the the health history right like it's, it's that's a legitimate concern there's no i don't think anybody can legitimately say oh you shouldn't be worried about that because well yeah you you should be a little bit worried about that he has a history that says he's probably going to miss some time so that that's that's something to consider when you when you're taking everything into account now what you're hoping is that Brogdon playing a different role with fewer minutes and maybe more spot up, maybe more off the ball, maybe managing his minutes a little bit better. Maybe that tells you, maybe that can help him uh, stay healthier longer. Uh, But, you know, the fit is, is really, really interesting. I think he can, the Celtics are leaning into, Positional versatility and multiple guys who can do multiple things. And, you know, with him, with Derek White, with Malcolm, with uh, Marcus Smart, it does present some interesting options. And I think, you know, I said this on my podcast, like 10 years ago, I would have said, well, this is terrible because now you've got to trade one of your point guards because a point guard is a point guard and a shooting guard is a shooting guard. And once upon a time, calling somebody a combo guard was like an insult. That was the worst thing you could be. Um, now, if you're not a combo guard, it's an insult. So, and I think that's what Brogdon is. He's more of a combo guard than anything. And if the Celtics can stay relatively healthy, if they can maintain, you know, some reasonable health for a reasonable amount of time, then this this has the chance to be a really Special basketball team. Uh, the internal development with these guys, I, I think, can be great. Uh, the additions can really, really help. Now, all of a sudden, you can start a second quarter with Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon versus Jalen Brown and you know, you know, Jalen Brown doing all of the ball handling. You have those two guys in the backcourt with Robert Williams. Now that's that's three really, really good players to start a second quarter. And then you're finishing the quarter with your full complement of guys. So I, I think I think this is this has the real the potential to be really, really uh a real home run for for Brad Stevens. And if for some reason it's not, uh if the health is too big of a deal. You can say, "Hey, you know, what did it cost the Celtics to get him?" Well, it only cost what Daniel Tice, Aaron Niesmith, three other guys that were going to get cut anyway, and a first-round pick that is probably going to be in the you know mid-twenties. But you are you, taking a big swing for nothing. So I, I think it was I think it was worth it. And you just got to hope that the medical staff and the change in role can keep Rogden healthier for longer.
1: I'm a big fan of what he brings. Like, skill set wise, I think he's perfect. Size is great. Uh, I think that in an off ball role, like, that's where he flourished with Milwaukee during his early career before he went to Indiana in more of a ball dominant role. So I completely agree. Like, the big swing was worth it. It was definitely a TPE without using a TPE move. So right. I think that, and I think that's kind of important to remember for a lot of people because, you know, you see the TPE expire and it's like, oh, God, they said they were going to do X, Y, and Z, but they did just without the need of the TPE. You actually circumvented the limits on that because it was 17.2 instead of the 20-whatever Brogdon's earning. So that makes perfect sense. I do want to pivot a little bit because I'd be remiss, it'd be negligent of me not to bring up Grant Williams, the day of Grant Williams kind of, Dropping some funny comments on a Duncan Robinson's podcast. Have you listened to that yet?
0: I have not listened to it yet. No, I'm going to, uh, my, my plan was to pop it on in the car after we were done. So, uh, but if, let me know, what, what did he say?
1: So there's, there's one, there's one piece that, uh, cause I kind of tweeted a friend So I'll just read this one piece and it was a, pe- a piece of trash talk that he said to Draymond. This was probably my favorite. And then it was, when him and Draymond were drawing, he was like, instead of going at him with just like, you know, the usual, whatever, you suck, your trash, blah, 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 He's like, I went home and did research on Draymond. He was like, and I found out that when he was young, he got into a fight and he got knocked out. So the next time we were on the court, I brought up that scenario. Like, hey, do you remember when you got knocked out? And Draymond basically just stopped talking to him for the rest of the game. which i thought was brilliant i thought like if you're going to get into a battle with somebody as vocal as draymond green you have to kind of take an angle he hasn't experienced before which i thought was fantastic
0: that's that's pretty smart grant's a smart kid (laughs) he he knows what he's doing Uh, i would also encourage grant to get better at basketball so you can back that trash talk up with real results against Dream on Green. Uh, but, hey, that's that's good, solid trash-talking, as far as I'm concerned.
1: So here's the thing, right? So when he was asked about his first conversation with Udoka, the one line that he said at the end of like that segment, and I don't want to ruin this for you, so I will just read the one line, <laughs> was, and be who I am, a dog and a leader of the team. So uh, I'm not sure that Grant is fully accepting of the fact that he still needs to improve. Like you can be a leader without being the best player on the floor, but I agree. Like, you know, I think he improved dramatically from year two to year three, but I think there's another jump that he needs to take. If he wants to be seen as that PJ Tucker type guy.
0: Well, I mean, if he doesn't take that jump, he has to be one of the guys that the Celtics can count on to get better. And and if that's, If that's just being a more consistent three point shooter, you know, I think for all of the Grant Williams three point talk, lost in that is the, um, you know, a little bit of streakiness where he would get super, super hot. You know, he finished shooting 40 something percent from three, but he'd get super, super hot and then come back down to earth a little bit and then shoot like 60 something percent and then fall back down to earth. And that's that's not how you want it to be. You want you want it to be a little bit more reliable than that. And you know, obviously, I think he got a little caught up in the moment in in the finals. I think he it was the finals. I mean, he's he's never been in there, and so uh, I hope I hope that he can. I, I I would really, and I don't expect him to to rest on his laurels, but. I will say that I I really do hope that he's going to come back with something expanded or new in his game because he he's one of the guys that has to be um that has to be relied on for a big bench role
1: If you were looking for that improvement, where would you want it to come from? Because I know that he showed a little bit of growth in attacking closeouts out of the corner, which was probably the only thing Romeo Langford did well. And Grant kind of filled that role. quite. And that's harsh from me. Seems I love Romeo. But it was Grant kind of filled that role quite well. But it did feel like, hey, if he's catching the ball in the corner and you don't close out hard on him, he's going to shoot it. So is there any other area where you want him to improve?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the the attacking the closeouts, you know, putting the ball on the floor, making the right reads, expanding his game that way. If he's going to be, like I said before, consistency on the three-point shot where it just falls a little bit more off. You want him to be a little bit more dead-eye rather than uh, just a tiny bit on that streaky side. Uh, and then, you know, you just follow the progression. So he catches and shoots. And if he's hitting with consistency, then they're going to close out harder. So it means he's gonna be, he's gonna to have to be able to put the ball on the floor and make the right play. Uh and and play under control, right? So he's got to be able to, to understand that one dribble, two dribbles, and give the ball up or go all the way to the cup. Like it's it's one or the other, not not something in between. And just just understanding recognition that kind of stuff um that's that's going to be a huge huge help just being a part of that offense that that moves and makes the next right play and also just at the same time being just staying confident in his shot because he had that one game against was it Miami where he took like 33 pointers or whatever the stupid number was um and then he kind of got away from that. Like you want to see him be able to stand his ground and shoot that shot with someone bearing down on him. Um, So I I just want him to just expand his game a little bit. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to do too much. You don't want him to bring the ball up the floor. You don't want need him to do too much. Um, My, my hope is that he comes back with a game that complements what the Celtics need and that he doesn't go off and say, Hey, I want to be a guy who attacks from the top of the key and ISOs and stuff like that. Like sometimes players can go off into the summer and say, I want to become this player where the team says, we need you to become this player. And there's a little bit of a difference between the two. So I, I just hope that they're on the same page and come back with a little bit of an expanded game and a little bit more consistent game. I mean, the one thing
1: that goes in Grant's favor is he's incredibly smart. So hopefully he recognizes that fit and fitting into what a team need is more important than just developing all around and then trying to fit a square peg into you a round hole. So
0: you also have to understand that these young guys, he's contract, he's a, uh, Extension eligible. He's got contractual stuff in mind. These young guys are worried as much. And I'm not saying this about Grant specifically because I haven't talked to him about this. But um, young guys are generally very aware of their contractual status and very aware of how much money they stand to make. And so the ultimate goal of the team. Like you can say, yes, I want to be a team player. I want to do whatever the team needs me to do. At the same time, if you're sitting there talking to your agent or your trainer and they say, Hey, you could be a, you could be a $10 million a year player with the Celtics, or you could do this and this, and maybe somebody comes along and wants to give you 14 or 15. And do you want to make, you know, do you want four years and sixty million dollars, or do you want four years and forty million dollars so what what are you trying to get and that's That's just part of the calculus when young guys are are trying to improve it's not always about exactly what the team wants, and that sounds like well you're you know he's a he's a you know a bad player he's like a uh that you know he's he's running counter to what the team needs and that's selfish and all that. But th- that this is his job and this is his life. So we just have to keep an eye on that. The, what what are the real motivations here? What's he what's he going to do? And
1: the last thing on Grant before we move on, what would be your limit on a contract offer? So if you had to put a, like a, a hard stop, I've got it at fifteen.
0: Yeah, I mean I think I think I, I'm I've settled on um Robert Williams money. So he's that. still like Grant is still a reserve. And I'm not gonna pay him fifteen million dollars a year just yet. Um I'm 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 thinking four and forty Or so, like start them at ten. You can give them the raises, and it can be four four years, forty seven million dollars, or something like that. And you know, when you factor in the raises and all of that stuff, or you can you can say if you want to say it's four years and sixty million. If you want to go fifteen million average annual value, I I could I can have that conversation. But my initial reaction would be it has to be very incentive laden. For him, like he has to play certain amount of minutes or he has to hit a certain percentage of three pointers Um, or some performance goals where like, okay, yeah, we'll give you 60 million. But you've got to be like this kind of player. You've got to be whatever the whatever the the legitimate performance uh, incentives that they can throw into a contract. I think I think his contract would need to have some incentives in there for, for me to feel good about coming up to that that number. I think that's probably
1: your best bet. If he wants that bigger number, is to be like where you have to earn it. So no, that I, and the incentives work as well because it does kind of it. I wouldn't say force, but it puts a player in a position where they have to play a specific role to hit those escalators.
0: Yeah, that like that's it. Right, you want to make sure that he's. He's doing what, what you want him to do. I mean, as much as he's his own player and he's going to try to, you know, live his own life and blah, blah, blah. This is a team sport and he's got to do what the team wants him to do. And he's, he's, he's a smart kid. So he's going to know. I'm sorry. I keep calling him a kid. It's smart. This is, that's the old man thing in me. Uh, he's, he's a smart guy. And I think, um, sure, like he's, he's going to, He's going to do what the Celtics want him to do. I don't expect him to, to get out of control with that kind of stuff. I, but, yeah, there's, there's – and I can't even tell you off the top of my head what the escalators would be. I haven't given it a whole lot of thought. But something something that can put him – make sure that it's, it's more in line with the what the Celtics need him to do. And we spoke a lot about team and I'm going to pivot away from the Celtics,
1: but we're still going to stick on team. One of the conversations that myself, Greg and Will, the other two co-hosts of this show have, and it's usually off air, we have spoke about it briefly on air, is, and I think we've tweeted it you and a few other people about it before, is the potential Celtics media free on free tournament. Uh, yeah. just, just for fun, right? Obviously, we, if you want to allow the ex players, the actual ex pros to play, I know you're an ex pro, ex Celtics will say to play them fine, then obviously everyone else is going to lose. But if you had to choose, and this is kind of to round out the show, if you had to choose a, a five man lineup made up of Celtics media, not including ex Celtics players, who are you running with?
0: Woof. Okay. Um, Celtics media. Um, and you can use that as loosely as you want,
1: or as strictly as you want, uh, in terms of yeah. media. You can be loose, or you can be strict.
0: So, all right. Well, I know, I know. I'm going to be down low, mostly because um, I'm just slow now. <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to basically outlet the bum. You guys go run. Now, um, I want Tom Westerholm on. Because, you know, he's a shooter. Um, I don't know, I don't know who a good point guard might be. That's the problem. I don't know who the point guard would be. Maybe Brian Robb. I think B Rob would be the point guard. Um Jay King could be another shooter. He's got he's got trash knees. His knees are worse than mine. Um <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, he knows. He, he'll tell you that same thing. Um, so that's four of us. I think we need a big guy. Um I I'll I'm gonna go see this. This would be me cheating because I want to say I want to get Mark Spears out there. He's former Celtics Media and he's still in the media. So um that's me saying that I can't think of another guy who can play on the blocks with me. So I'm going to go with like six, six Mark Spears. Um, who else? I can't think of anybody else. I'm racking my brain. On, brain Celtics you. media. That's like, I'm, I'm the biggest guy there. Yeah. I'm struggling there. You'd have to play small ball. I mean, I'd have to be the center. I'd have to be the center. I'm the biggest guy in the in the Celtics media contingent that's a, you know, still like like I can't bring Scal in, can't be a former NBA player. So uh um, yeah, you. I'd have to be the five. So we'd go B-rob with Westerholm and King as my shooters. We go super small. Um, cause Adam Adam Himmelsbach's a really good shooter, too. Um, we go super small there. Uh Kind of think it's it's a relatively small media contingent. Um, the that, yeah, I'm, I'm you really have me stumped. I can't if I'm doing five guys, five guys on a basketball team, I feel good. I feel good about I've never seen B Rob play. I feel good about, but I know he's in a men's league, so I'm, I'm going to assume that he's decent. Um, I, I played with Tom. Tom's a really good shooter. I've seen Jay King shoot. I've played with him. He's a really good shooter. We can get, we can get, um, Sam Packard in. He's, he's not a particularly good basketball player, but he'll, and he'll tell you that. Uh, but he'll hustle. He'll work hard. He could be like energy off the bench. Uh, but you're limiting me to five. I mean, he could just be my maniac. He could be my wild card, <laughs> my my Charlie Kelly, you know, my wild card. Um, let's see who else? I have to start dipping into. Yeah, I'm gonna have to start cheating after this to to get into other people um, in Celtics media.
1: That's what I'm saying. You can use it as it's hard because when you think about it, like in my head, I'm asking myself: Is Taylor Snow good at basketball? Obviously, I've never seen him play. What about Mark D'Amico?
0: And then, you, hey, Mark, as you said, Mark, we play We had we had a we had the one media game before COVID, and Mark Mark was okay. Taylor was okay. Like there, everybody, everybody who's out there. I mean, I think generally speaking, if you're covering the team, you're. Um, You've probably played some basketball because you love the game. So everybody who's um, out there has played some um, at some level. So it's it's okay, it's, it's okay. Um, I, I think most people are okay, but I'm forgetting. I'm no, I know I'm forgetting somebody. I'm gonna get somebody's gonna tweet at me and be like, ah crap, sorry.
1: And what if it went to a three-on-three tournament? To so say there was like a broad spectrum, so people that you know work for, that are on Celtics blogs, you've got the people over at Hardwood Houdini, whoever. Had, we just open it up to the masses. Sure. If you if you cover the Celtics three-on-three tournament just for bragging rights, who are the two guys that you're running that with?
0: Oh well, I mean, on a three-on-three tournament, I'm I'm so I'm always picking Westerholm first because he's he's young and he's a he's a really good shooter. And he'll, he, when he gets hot, forget it. Um, and I'll, I'll go Jay King. Like it's, I'll go with me, with me, Westerholm and Jay King, we'll take anybody on three on three. Um, I mean, I joke around with Jay King. We always talk about maybe playing each other one-on-one. Uh, I'm way too old and fat to be doing that now. But uh, I I feel very, very good. If I'm out there three on three with me, Westerholm and, and Jay, Western can do all the cutting. Um, and then running all the way through uh, you know, on a fake pass, hit Jay, then Westerholm curls around. I can use it, I can kind of hip check illegal screen somebody and get <laughs> Western Home open. I feel good about that. A three on three tournament, I feel, I feel great. Um yeah, and if I, have in a fact, I, I would challenge, I would challenge anybody any other team's media contingent you put me westerholm and jay king out there i would take on any other nba city's beat writers in a three on three tournament I'd, I'd pay to see this I'd, I'd fly
1: to wherever it was taking place but it's just a fun it's it is a fun quote it's a fun kind of like um four exercise me and the other two co-hosts do from time to time is just kind of think of like who would win in the three-on-three who would be the starting five who would come off the bench so I just thought that would be a fun way with all the talk of Grant fitting into the team it would be a good way to so with that I just want to say thank you man because I know you've took uh, took time out of a busy move to jump on and (laughs) just talk some hoops with me and I moved house when was it so it was last September so and that was absolutely insane So I I feel your pain, man. I really do feel your pain.
0: Uh, Thank you very much. I'm out there painting rooms one by one. So uh, I really do thank you so much uh, for having me on and got to get back to work now. (laughs) Awesome. Well, everybody, if
1: you've been listening, if you don't know where to find John, then I honestly don't know what you do to consume Celtics media on the morning drive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh catch him over at Luton Celtics catch him over it's just at John Corrales now right you changed that John underscore Corrales yep and then so you've got at John underscore Corrales Reds Army's John is now gone and then at Luton Celtics John man it's always a pleasure I really look forward to having you on the show so uh, thank you very much for taking the time buddy.
0: appreciate it man thank you Ain't disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating you're repenting y'all but testing my patience, never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the f-